Welcome, and thanks for listening to the New Life Christian Ministries podcast. If you'd like more information about New Life or for more podcasts and other media, go to newlifexn.org. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you. You're worthy of our worship and praise. Today, as we conclude this series on prayer, we thank you that you're listening when we come to you. We thank you that you speak to us when we listen to you. And I pray that you would open each heart in this room today, in this building, that we might receive what your spirit has for us, that we might be more effective as prayer warriors for you, and that our lives might be transformed to be like Jesus. We ask this prayer in his name. Amen. So, as I said, we're closing out this six-week series on prayer, and many of you have told me that this time, these six weeks, has been the time when you've prayed more than you've ever prayed in your life, and when you've been impacted more by prayer than at any time in your life. And just last week at the end of the message, uh, when we had that time of prayer and everybody could stick around and pray, some of you came up to me afterward and said, wow, that was so powerful, we ought to do it every single week. And I thought immediately of Peter, James, and John when we went up on the mountain with Jesus, and Jesus was transfigured. In other words, uh, Elijah and Moses appeared with Jesus, and after that happened, Peter said, hey, let's build a tent. Let's stay up here, because this is awesome, and we want to experience this for the rest of our lives. And what happened last week at the end of the, of the message, and, and when we stuck around and prayed, is that you heard from God, and God did powerful things, and what we want is not necessarily that experience, what we want is God. We are created for God. We're created to have God in our lives, and we want that. And so what we all want is to have a, a, a more real experience of God in our lives. And that happens primarily through prayer. And, and during this series, what we've done is we've focused on various aspects of prayer. And today, at the end of the message, as I said, you're going to sit in your seat, or, and you're going to pray for the needs of others, or you're going to sit there with somebody else, and you're going to pray for the needs of others, or you're going to go to one of the people that will be stationed around the room and pray for the needs of others. And you may notice that I said the needs of others three times. That's because we're going to talk about intercessory prayer today. And intercession is praying for the needs of others. In this six-week series, we've talked about prayer as an acronym, uh, ACTS, with an I in parentheses. And the A stands for adoration, C, confession, T, thanksgiving, S, supplication, and then I, intercession. And adoration is simply praising God and showing Him the love and fearful respect that He's due because He's God. And confession is... Telling God that we agree with him that we're sinners and, and telling him the exact sins that we have done so that we can be forgiven and restored to the joy that God intends for us to have in our lives. Thanksgiving, of course, is just saying thanks to God for everything he's provided us. And then supplication is praying for our needs, the things that we need in our life. And today, intercession is praying for the needs of others. Now, of course... We have divided up those five things, like we took a piece of, or a whole pie, I should say, and divided each piece, and we've eaten one piece at a time. But in real life, we don't do that. We don't say, like, Sunday, we're going we're gonna to adore God, and then Monday, we're going to confess our sins, and Tuesday, we're going to um, thank God, and Wednesday, we're going to pray for our needs, and then Thursday, we're going to pray for other people's needs. We do all of those things at the same time, really, don't we? When we pray to God, we often praise Him for who He is, and we confess that we're sinners, and we thank God. We do that all together, and that's our half of prayer. And the most important part that you all have told me has happened during this six weeks is the other part, which is listening. 
And God has spoken to you as you have listened. And for some of you, that's been a new experience. You've never heard God speak to you before. But I want you to know, God's been speaking to people since he created the first two people. God spoke to Adam and Eve face to face. God spoke to Moses face to face, as it says, as a man speaks to a friend. God spoke to David. God has spoken to people down through the centuries. And God speaks to us. The key is, sometimes we're not listening it's sort of like my, my older brother, Tom. And this is an illustration from 70 years ago, before I was born. My brother, Tom, was three years old, and he was riding his tricycle at Tiger's General Store in Gypsy, Pennsylvania. That was a quarter mile from home, which tells you that it happened 70 years ago. Because a three-year-old was riding his tricycle a quarter mile from home with no parent nearby. And so my mother yelled, Tom, Tom. Tom, Tom, and my brother kept riding his tricycle, and there was a salesman who had been trying to sell Harmon Tiger some of his goods, and he was standing out on the porch watching this exchange with a quarter mile away, a woman yelling, a little boy sitting there on his tricycle, and finally my brother, or the, the salesman said to my brother, Tom, little boy, I think your mother's yelling for you, and she said, yeah, he is, but she, she is, but I can't hear her, <laughs> and I think sometimes, the reason I know that story is because the salesman thought it was so funny, he went home and told my mom. And she passed it along, you know, one of those family stories. Sometimes we're riding our tricycle and God is yelling and we're not listening, we're not hearing. And so today we're going to conclude this series where we've been talking about our half of prayer and God's half of prayer. And our half of prayer today is the focus on intercession. And intercession is the noun form of a word, uh, the verb of which is intercede. And to intercede is to stand between two people or two beings that differ with a view of reconciling them. That's uh, Pastor Mark Geppert's definition of, of intercede. And, and to intercede in the case as we're talking about it today is for us to stand between God and a person who are separated by either the sin of the person, by the need of a person, by something in the person because God is not separated from us. In fact, God is very close to every one of us all the time. And so there's this division, but we created it. And so when we intercede, our goal is to bring the two together. In fact, intercession is fighting God's way. That's the take-home point for today. If you're a new person, we have one point we seek to make every week. And this week's point is that intercession is fighting God's way. And if you think the word fight is a little too strong... I want to remind you about what I talked about last week. I took a little detour from the regularly scheduled message on supplication to talk about spiritual warfare because of the events of last week. And I said, you know, from Ephesians 6, chapter, chapter 6, verses 10 and 11, we are not fighting against flesh and blood. Remember when I said that? I asked you to pinch your neighbor, you know, and said that that's not your enemy because that's flesh and blood. We're fighting against spiritual forces of evil. We're fighting against the devil. And the way we fight, according to the Bible, to the Word of God, is through intercessory prayer. We intercede between God and the people who are separated from Him to bring them back together. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. And as we talk about that, we're going to set it up first with a scripture that tells us exactly what this war is like. And then we're going to look at three quick scriptures that are going to show us how we do this and who helps us. As we intercede. So the first scripture for today is found in 2 Corinthians 10, verses 3 to 5. If you'd like to follow along in your Bible, you can turn there. It'll be up on the screen. And the Apostle Paul wrote these words. He said, we are human, but we don't wage war as humans do. We use God's mighty weapons, not worldly weapons, to knock down the strongholds of human reasoning and to destroy false arguments. We destroy every proud obstacle that keeps people from knowing God. We capture their rebellious thoughts and we teach them to obey Christ. So, 
The first thing that we need to know is that we're humans. <laughs> Very obvious point. We're humans. But we are not going to use a human weapon when it comes to intercessory prayer. When it comes to bringing God and people back together, we're not going to use human weapons. We know what human weapons do, right? They kill people. Human weapons maim people. Human weapons are getting more and more effective all the time. Down through the centuries, human weapons have been able to kill more and more people. We talk about weapons of mass destruction, right? And the purpose of the weapon is to keep somebody from taking over our territory or enables us to take over somebody else's territory. But that's not what we're talking about today. We're not talking about human weapons we're talking about spiritual weapons. And actually, when we talk about intercession, we are talking about knocking down strongholds. And, and Paul says that intercession does this. It knocks down the strongholds of human reasoning and destroys false arguments. It says we destroy every proud or pride obstacle of you, that keeps people from knowing God because our pride is what keeps us from knowing God. And we capture, it says, the rebellious thoughts and teach them to obey Christ. So what is a stronghold of human reasoning? It's, in a simple word, it's deceit. The devil operates through deceiving us. And he does that in our minds. And so many times over the years at New Life, I've said, other pastors have said when they've been preaching, human beings are made up of three parts. The Bible teaches this. We are a body, which we can see. We have a spirit, which is where the Holy Spirit connects with our spirit when we become followers of Jesus Christ. And we have a soul. And the soul is our mind, it's our emotions and our will. And so where the battlefield is when we're talking about tearing down these strongholds is in our mind, in our soul. And what Paul is telling us is we, by intercessory prayer, we break down the deception that people have in their minds, in their souls, that's keeping them from this relationship with God. And we don't have nearly enough time to talk about all the types of deception that are out there. But we need to understand that deception is the way the enemy, and I should say our defeated enemy, you realize the devil is already, he's already a loser. He lost when Jesus died on the cross of Calvary 2,000 years ago. Jesus crushed his head, but there are still battles being waged. The war's won. We won. But the battles are still going on. And so how in the world are we going to engage this war? Three things that we need to know. Number one, we need to know who is the enemy. We identify the enemy. Number two, we come against that enemy in the name of Jesus. And number three, we let the Holy Spirit correct and empower us so we may continue to grow stronger and more loving as we engage the battle. So who or what is the enemy? We've already said it's the devil and his demons. It's spiritual forces. It's not each other. It's not people out there in some other country. It's not people in our own country. It is things we can't see. Spiritual forces that we can't see. And we come against those forces in the name of Jesus. Now, here's the thing. The devil is going to tell us that what is good is evil and what is evil is good. That's how he deceives us. He convinces us that something that is evil is actually good. And something that is good is actually evil. And he doesn't do that directly. He doesn't say lying's a good thing. What he does is he says, you don't want to hurt your friend, right? They ask you, you know, what do you think about that shirt? Well, you don't want to hurt their feelings. So you just say, oh, it's, it's a nice shirt. Well, that was just a lie because it isn't a nice shirt. It's an ugly shirt. At least you think it is. But see, the devil wants us to do half-truths and then full lies. That's, we, we go a little bit of lie, bigger lie, bigger lie pretty soon, you know. And, and even Mark Twain, who wasn't really much of a Christian, said that if you tell the truth, you can have a short memory. But if you're a liar, boy, you got to keep it straight, right? 
And so the devil is working hard to get us to do things that are wrong, but thinking they're right. And the devil is getting us hard, doing, doing everything he can to, to help us to, to think that the things are good aren't. And so how are we going to fight that? Well, we're going to fight it with the word of God. This book is the truth, the whole truth, nothing but the truth. And if we get it into our hearts and into our minds and we live it out, then we're going to win. And you're saying, wait a minute, Chris, that's a little old-fashioned. Don't you really think it's a little old-fashioned to really believe that we could actually learn this book and live it out? Well, do you really think you can do that, Chris? I do think we can do that. I don't think we can do it if we're just trying hard. I don't think we can do it if it's just a bunch of rules and we're going to write them all down we're going to do them. But I do think we can do it if we're in love. Let me tell you a little illustration. Back when I met Nancy, I would have walked across molten glass to see her. And I'm telling you the truth. I still would, but now I would wear shoes. <laughs> you see, I'm a little wiser than I was back in those days. But I would still do it because I still love her. And, and the thing is, if we really love God, then we'll read his word and we won't say, oh, this is a bunch of rules and this guy doesn't even care about me. We're going to say, God is writing these things because he loves us and cares about us and wants us to do what's good for us and not to do the things that are bad for us. And so instead of seeing it as a rule book, we'll see it as a love letter, which is what it is, to the people that he loved so much that he died for us, rose for us. We're going to talk more about that in just a bit. But as we think about these things, we need to understand intercessory prayer can only happen when we are aligning our will with the will of God. And we will only align our will with the will of God when we stop letting the devil deceive us and we start believing that God didn't give us rules so we'd be miserable. He gave us rules so we would be free. The boundaries that God gives us free us. And it doesn't matter if we're 12 or if we're 22 or 42 or 82. Those rules are actually good for us. And so they never go out of date and they're never old-fashioned. And, and that's why we must let the Holy Spirit lead us as we seek to intercede. So most American Christians aren't even fighting. I don't know if you've noticed this, but most American Christians just say, well, it's too hard and, and people won't like me. And if I do what God wants me to do, I'm going to stick out, you know, like a sore thumb. I, I'm just not going to be, I'm not going to be with it. And, and so we just sort of give up because we don't want to go against the grain. We don't want to, we don't want to stand out. But Paul says we're, we, we must. And in fact, we're going to look at another passage of scripture right now from 1 Timothy chapter 2. It's verses 1 to 8. And he's going to tell us how. We do intercessory prayer. And the first thing he says is this. I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Wow, that's pretty general, isn't it? We're going to intercede or pray for, stand between God and everybody. Everybody in the whole world. We're saying, God, there's 7 billion people or whatever it is right now, 6 point something. And we're going to pray for every single one of them. And then he says this. Ask God to help them to intercede on their behalf and to give thanks for them. So what's Paul saying? He's saying, God, the world needs help. And we're praying for that. God, we're praying that you will bring help to the world. We're praying, God, and, and actually we're thanking you for all of them. And I don't even know one-tenth of one percent of all the people in the world, but I'm going to pray for all of them, and that's what we're called to do. And as we do that, God works in us. And then he gets a little more specific. He says, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity this is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and to understand the truth. So, now we've prayed for everybody. 
And now we're going to pray for kings and those in authority. In our case, it would be the president and for the senators and the people in the House of Representatives. It would be people in state governments and local governments. It, It would be the people that are in authority. And why do we pray for them? We pray for them so that they will gain the wisdom to help us live peaceful and quiet lives. So that there will be godliness in the land. So that we don't have to turn on the news every day and hear about another murder, another robbery, another moral failure, another drug overdose. And you say, well, Chris, how do I know my prayers are making any difference? How do I know when I intercede there's going to actually be something happen? How do you know, brothers and sisters, that because of the intercessory prayers we're already offering that we're still here? You know, we don't know what our prayers are doing. We know that we're called to pray. We know that we're in the army of God. And we know that if we don't pray for all the leaders and we don't pray for everybody and we don't do the thing that God calls us to do by way of intercession, we're abandoning our post. And we don't know what happens when the army of God abandons its post. I thank God that there are intercessors. In fact, one guy came out of church today and he said, you know what, I have, he has a ministry, a motorcycle ministry actually, and he says, I have little churches all over this region praying for me, they're interceding for me. And he said, I'll pay people to intercede for me. Now, I don't know that that's right, but, and he was just joking, you know, he was just joking, but I would too, because the intercessory prayers that you are pouring out for me helps me to lead wisely, it helps me to be able to stand up here and say the truth Regardless of what people want. And you know, there's the thing. Paul says next, he says, There's only one God and one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone. This is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. And I have been chosen, that's Paul, as a preacher and apostle to teach the Gentiles this message about faith and truth. And then he says, I'm not exaggerating. I'm just telling the truth. You see, right in the middle of this exhortation to intercede for others, what does he say? He says, there is one intercessor who can actually bring God and people together. His name's Jesus, and he already did it. By dying on the cross, he already brought God and people together. He's the one mediator, and then Paul says, I've been given the task of preaching this truth to the Gentiles. That's all the non-Jews in the world. Sort of interesting, there were 12 apostles, and Paul said to the 11 of them, you take Jerusalem, and I'll take the rest of the world. Think about that. One guy said, I'll take the rest of the world. But he knew he wasn't doing it. It was Jesus who did it. Jesus is the one who's interceding. And he says, and I'm going to tell the truth. And you know where Paul was when he wrote these words? He was in prison. And he was getting ready to be executed because he told the truth. Here's what's going to happen in this world where we live today if we tell the truth. People will make fun of us. Some people will ignore us. People will ridicule us. But what if they did worse than that to us? Would it be better to stand up for the truth and face Jesus one day having stood up to the truth or to not stand up to the truth for the truth and one day facing Jesus and saying, "Uh, sorry, uh, I was going to tell you the truth, but, you know, it was a little hard. Paul didn't care what they did to him. Paul was going to tell the truth. And he knew that the mediator was there. In fact, these next two scripture passages that we're going to look at is uh, reason enough for us to continue no matter what. The first one is from Romans chapter 8, verses 26 and 27. It says this, In the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. Two times it says that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. 
two times it says that the Holy Spirit, when we don't know what to say, I mean, the world's a mess, right? So how can we pray for the world? How can we be specific and know exactly what the world needs? Sometimes we're just overwhelmed, and sometimes there's a person that uh, it happens many times in my life when I'm praying for somebody, and they're going through hell, literally on earth. They're going through hell, and I don't know what to say. And so I just say, God, I don't know what to say. I'm just going to let your spirit talk from my spirit to your to you. And I do, and he does. And I get strengthened, and the intercession that goes out joins to my prayers that I know what to say and affects change that the world can't even understand. And that's what happens in every Christian's life. When we intercede and we run out of words and we just say, Spirit, I don't know what to say, so you pray. And then he does. And that intercession goes to a deeper level. Now here, the next passage, this is, this is one of the most exciting passages in the entire Bible, if you ask me. It's Romans 8, starting in verse 31, going to 37. It says this, what then shall we say in response to this? If God is for us, who can be against us? Did you hear that? If God is for us, look out other side. If God is for us, look out devil, because we have God on our side. So many times we act like we're tied to the railroad tracks of history waiting to get run over, right? We're not. We are the winners. We're not the losers. We're the winners. And he says, if God is for us, who can be against us? And then he says this, he who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? God didn't spare Jesus. What do you think he will spare in meeting our needs? When we intercede on behalf of the world, when we intercede on behalf of the leaders, when we intercede on behalf of other people that we care about, and we come with the force of God, the God of the universe behind us, what is he going to leave out? If he already gave his only son, is he going to leave out any other resource? Of course not. That's what Paul is saying. We have all the resources of the God of the universe behind our prayer. And then he says this, who is going to bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? You see, that's the key question. Who's going to bring a charge against us? Well, the world does. The world says we're crazy. The world says we're losers. The world says all kinds of stuff about us. Who's going to bring charges against us? The devil's going to bring charges against us. What does that matter? He says this. He says, who is he that... He says, it is God who justifies. So who's going to bring the charges? The world, the devil, but who justifies? God. Jesus did. Jesus justified me. When I was in second grade, Bernadine Lockard told me, justify means just as if I never sinned. Just as if you never sinned. That's what happened. Jesus died on the cross. He paid the penalty for my sin. He paid the penalty I couldn't pay for, or you couldn't pay, and he died and rose again so that we can have a life that's truly life. And so who can condemn us? In fact, that's what Paul says. If Jesus is the one who justifies, who is the one who condemns? And, the, and some people say, the devil. No, the devil can't condemn us. you got to get this right. We have to get this right. The devil is the prosecuting attorney. God is the judge. Only the judge can condemn or set free. Only the judge can condemn or pardon, right? The prosecuting attorney can't do anything except present a case. And that's what the devil does. The devil goes up in front of Jesus and said, did you see that Chris Marshall? Man, I got, a, I, got a, I, got a, I got an airtight case against him. He is a sinner. Man, he, he deserves to burn in hell. He deserves to be with me forever. And you know what? He's right. I do. That's the case that's against me because I am a sinner and I have lost. I don't, I don't have any defense. <laughs> uh, yes, I do. I have Jesus. 
Jesus died on the cross and paid the penalty. So here's the thing. I'm guilty, but I'm just as if I never did anything wrong. I'm just as if I never sinned, and so are you. And that's what Paul is saying here. Jesus justifies who gets to condemn. Well, Jesus gets to condemn, but he condemned himself so that we could have life forever. And that's the point. If you know Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord in this room, then you have no condemnation. That's the first verse of Romans 8, which we didn't read today. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And then he says this. This is so amazing. Christ Jesus, that's the one who could condemn us. But he isn't condemning us because he died. More than that, he raised from the front to life. And he's at the right hand of God. And what is he doing? He's interceding for us. So Jesus died. Everybody dies. Nothing big about dying, right? Jesus died, right? But he rose. Huh, that's what's big. Jesus died, but then he rose. He rose for us, and he didn't just stay here on earth after he rose for us. He went back to heaven. He's on the right hand of God. And what's he doing? He's interceding for us. He, the God of the universe, in the flesh, is interceding for us. As we're interceding for others, he's interceding for us. The Holy Spirit's interceding inside of us, you know, to, the whole, to, to God the Father. And Jesus is interceding to his Father for us. We have two-thirds of God interceding to the other third for us. I'm a little excited this morning. <laughs> because I know something. I know what it looks like out there in the world. In fact, Paul knew what it looked like out there in the world too. Look what he says. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. You see, Paul was a realist as well as a believer. He knew that he was in jail and he was probably going to die for his faith. He knew that there were hungry people. That he knew that there were people that were persecuted. He knew that there were people who were having all kinds of troubles. In fact, as Nancy and I were driving to church this morning, I looked at her and I said, you know, honey, it would be nice if we just had a normal week this week. What's a normal week? Well, that would be a week without any tragedies. That would be a week without any, you know, sickness. That would be a week where, you know, it just, just was normal. Somebody said to me after first worship gathering, said, hey, Chris, it's been almost a year. You haven't been, you know, haven't had your appendix out. You haven't had a car wreck. I said, Shh. <laughs> you know, Paul says all of this stuff happens, right? All of this stuff happens. What are we going to say about that? When all of this stuff happens, what are we going to say? Here's what we say. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. And I looked up the Greek word for more than conquerors. It's hooper nikao. Hooper Nikao, hyper victor. If you literally want to translate Hooper Nikao, hyper victor. Doesn't that sound like a video game? Hyper victors. We are hyper victors. We're not just victors. We're not just champions. We didn't just win the pennant. We won it all. And we might die. And we might get sick. And we might have needs. And we might be in jail. And there might be all this stuff going on. But we are hyper victors because if you kill me, guess what? I get to go to heaven. If you put me in prison, I get to tell the other prisoners about Jesus. If you take my food away, I even look better because I already lost 26. You know? What can you do to me? Here's the thing. This is a little play on words. We are God's secret weapon. We are God's weapons of mass reconstruction. 
We are God's weapons of mass reconciliation. We are God's weapons of life that is truly life. As we intercede, as we take our prayers and put them before the throne of grace, and as the Holy Spirit intercedes for the things we can't even say, and as Jesus is standing at the right hand of God interceding, what is happening? The world has changed. And we're winners. We've already won. The, the, the war is over. But there are battles. There are still battles. And so as we go out today, out into this world, the world laughs at Christians. The world, you know, makes fun of Christians. The world calls us hypocrites. And lots of times it's true. Because what's a hypocrite? Somebody says one thing, does something else. I do that. I admit that I'm hypocritical sometimes. More times than I want to. I admit that I don't always do what I'm supposed to do, but here's what I know. I'm a hyper-victor. In the midst of that, all I have to do is confess. We have all the tools. We have all the tools. After this series, we have all the tools because we can adore God for who He is. We can give Him glory. We can confess our sins as soon as we commit them. Better yet, we can pray to God to deliver us from temptation before we even sin. We can thank God for all that we have even before we have it. We can pray for our own needs, and we can pray for other people's needs. You see, the six-week series is over, but I hope that praying isn't over. <laughs> the six-week series is over. I hope you didn't take your green dot and throw it away because the series is over today. And so, you, you know, because that green dot reminds us every time we see it to pray, I hope that we're not going to say, well, next week's Palm Sunday, and then we're going to start this new series. And so I guess we'll forget about prayer. No. Prayer is the way we fight as followers of Jesus. And, and just in a minute or two here, we're going to pray for the needs of others. But guess what? If you want to pray for your own needs, you can do that. If you have a sin that you haven't confessed, you can do that. If you have something you're thankful for, you can thank God for that. If you just want to say, God, you're so amazing and awesome, I can't even believe it. You can do that. And, and next week, guess what? We're going to go back to the regular order next week. We're not going to close the series with 10 minutes of prayer. I mean, the, the message, we're not going to close with 10 minutes of prayer. We're going to close with a closing song, and then we're going to go out. But if you want to sit there in your chair and pray for somebody or yourself, you're welcome to. And there's still going to be people up front to pray with you. We've had that before we started this series. We'll certainly have it after it ends. You see, the devil wants us to think that prayer is something that we put in a little box, and we pull it out every now and then. And fasting is something we put in a little box and we pull that out some now, every now and then. Bible study is something we put in a little box and we pull that out every now and then. All of those things are tools that God has given us so that we can glorify Him and enjoy Him forever. So right now, let's look at the commitment. It's a very simple one. I will engage the enemy by interceding for others in Jesus' name this week. Every time you see something that's not right, you just take it to God. Every time you hear somebody, you know, in government telling a lie, just take it to God. Every time you know that somebody is hurting, take it to God. And then every now and then, just do what Paul said to Timothy. Just pray for everybody. Right? We get to do that. We get to do that because we're God's winners. We're not the devil's losers. Now, here's the thing we need to know. The Bible is very clear about something. It says before we knew God, we were enemies of God. So we're either on one side or the other. We can't be in the middle. We can't be on both sides. We're either on his side or we're not. And if you're here this morning and you haven't been on Jesus' side, then you're on the other side. And, and I don't say that in a, con a condemning way at all. All I'm saying is you don't have to be. You don't have to be on the losing side. You don't have to die and go to hell. You can live this life 
with the power of the living God in your life, and then after you die, because we're going to die unless Jesus comes back, then we, you get to live again forever. So if you're here today in the room and you've never trusted Jesus as your Savior, which means that you don't believe so far that he died to save you from your sins and to save you from death, the second death of per punishment in hell, if you don't have him as your Lord, which means owner, you can do it right now. All you have to do is ask, Jesus, come in, take over my life. I admit I've messed it up. I haven't been a winner, but I know that you can make me one. And, and you, you do that for everybody. You've justified everybody. But we need to receive that justification. And, and so if you do that right now, then during this closing time of prayer, you can start interceding for other people, for your loved ones, your friends. For people that are going to think you're an idiot now. And there will be people think you're an idiot now. For people who dismiss you now. And there will be people who dismiss you now. Better to be dismissed by people than dismissed by Jesus. So, I'm going to say closing prayer. Just like last week. And after the closing prayer, I'm going to walk out of the room just like last week. And I'm going to greet anybody who comes out. You know, especially the new folks who may not want to stick around. The rest of you... You have four options, at least. We're Americans. We always have at least four options, right? You can stay in your seat and you can pray for other people's needs or anything you want to pray for. You can stay in your seat and join the person next to you and you can pray for other people's needs or anything you want to pray for. Uh, people who are going to be praying, would you go to your places around the room? You can get up and go to the place around the room and have the people who are here pray for other people's needs with you. Or you can just walk out right after I do and go home and, and, and you can start to live your life this week as an intercessor, as one who is praying to close the gap between God and your family members, your friends, your loved ones, strangers, the leaders of the nation, right? This is an opportunity that it's so incredible that we just want to stay in it sometimes and that's good because we can we can leave this place and we continue to do all five of those things. Adore, confess, thank, supplicate, and intercede. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for who you are. I thank you so much that Jesus came to pay the penalty that we couldn't pay so that when our prosecuting attorney accuses us, it doesn't matter because you, the judge, find us not guilty. I thank you, God, today that some people have already said yes to you at the other services. And I pray that in this service that someone who has never said yes to you will. And God, I pray for all of us that we will remember because of you, not because of us, but because of you, because of Jesus, we are hyper victors. The battle is over. The war is over. There are some skirmishes and those will last until Jesus returns. So God, give us the assurance that you will never leave us or forsake us. Give us the assurance that when we raise our praise to you, prayers to you, God, that they will be heard. God, as we go out into a new week, we thank you that we have reason to fight and the means to fight and that you have won the battle. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.